how many apples are in a seed? And the answer is it depends on what happens to the seed. Most seeds are thrown away. When I eat an apple, I leave the core and the seeds and I put them in the trash can and they get put in a landfill, stuck in a plastic bag forever. But if a seed is planted in good soil and it's watered and it gets good sunlight, it grows up into a whole apple tree that every year bears dozens and dozens of apples, each of which has six seeds that if they get planted and watered in the right place, in the right soil, they grow and become another apple tree that bears all of these dozens of apples every year, each of which has six seeds. And so in one apple seed, you can have billions of apples. But it depends on what happens to the seed. You can take the seed of your life and you can spend it living for yourself or you can invest it. Are you spending your life or investing it? And what's the difference between spending or investing? You know, spending our money results in immediate benefit, we hope at least. But investing it? No, that results in long-term benefit. Hi, I'm David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry with the Navigators. Thank you so much for joining us today for the seventh and final podcast with Mr. John Anderson, Campus Ministry Director for the Navigators at Wichita State University. Today, John gives us a dynamic message about the importance of not just spending our lives, but investing them in that which will last for eternity, the Word of God and the lives of men and women, boys and girls. So just to recap where we've been, last night we entered the throne room of God with Isaiah. We beheld God in his mighty holiness this morning. We, we looked at God's love for us in the gospel and how his love compels us to represent him today as his ambassadors to the people around us, right where we are, no matter the cost. And then we, just before lunch, we looked at Jesus' last words, the great commission to go and make disciples. Well, this afternoon, as we get started, I want to call to attention something I didn't really talk about from the great commission. And that's, he says that we're to make disciples of all nations of every nation. God doesn't just care about Kansas. He doesn't just care about America. Praise God, he didn't just care about Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria 2,000 years ago, because otherwise we wouldn't know the gospel. Uh, But Jesus wants us to make disciples of all nations. And that word nation is the word ethne. It's where we get the word ethnicity. He's not just talking about geopolitical nations, but about people groups. He wants disciples of all people groups. So Jesus gave us our marching orders 2,000 years ago. The question I have is, how are we doing at fulfilling God's mission? Well, I've done a little research. Well, actually, the Joshua Project has done a little research, and I looked at their website. Uh, and the good news is we've come a long way when it comes to advancing the gospel. When Jesus gave us our mission and left earth, he left behind probably about 120 disciples, including the 11 apostles. 2,000 years ago, about 120 Christians. Today, there are 2.3 billion people who call themselves Christians all around the world. Now we know not everyone who professes to be Christian actually believes in Jesus. And not all of those are going on to actually become mature disciples, but still 2.3 billion people. That's, that's 10 times more people than there were on the earth when Jesus gave the great commission. So today there are 10 times more people who say they believe in Jesus than were alive on earth. When Jesus gave the great commission, the gospel has spread a lot in the last 2,000 years. There are Christians all over the world, including in remote places like Heston, Kansas, which to the disciples in Jerusalem, this is the ends of the earth. 
the other side of the world. The gospel has gone forth. But man, we have a long way to go. If there are 2.3 billion Christians, that means that there are 5.5 billion people in the world, at least, who are on a path to a crisis eternity. Not to mention the many who identify as Christians who may not actually be saved. So here's another way to think about it. So Jesus has called us to make disciples of every people group, right? Well, there are 17,433 people groups in the world. This is an estimate from the Joshua Project, which researches these things in missiology. And of those 17,000 people groups, 7,398 of them are considered unreached. Here's what it means to be an unreached people group. It means, uh, technically, I think there's less than 3% of the population are Christians. What that practically means is that the vast majority of the people who live in these people groups will be born and live their entire lives and die without ever meeting a Christian or hearing the good news that Jesus died to save them. They don't even have a chance to hear and respond to the gospel message because there is no one around them to tell them it. In 2014, I had the privilege to lead a a group of students on a short-term mission trip to Japan. And when I was there, I met a number of freshmen and got to love them and and share Christ with them, read the Bible with them and pray for them. And I was really stunned as I was talking to some of the missionaries and uh, the long-term missionaries who were there that we were coming alongside. And they said, John, you're probably the first person to pray for those, those people by name. There's no one in their life who's ever prayed for them in Jesus name by their name because they've never met a Christian before you. And it blew my mind. I was in uh, another year. I got to lead a short-term trip to South Asia um, and hang out with the son of actually someone who's here. Uh, And while I was there, I I had to be on the back of a motorbike uh, because I I needed to go see a dentist. Well, I have a crown that fell out when I was in in South Asia. And I'm on the back of this motorbike. And I don't know if you've ever been to South Asia. Traffic is terrifying. Uh, the streets are nuts. There's no lanes. Everyone's just driving around. You have cars and Ubers and rickshaws and auto rickshaws and people with carts and animals in the middle of the street. And there's like no rules. It's just chaos. Uh, and the whole time I am scared for my life. I literally am praying, God, if I die right now, like if we get in an accident, which we actually did get in an accident, but everyone was okay. Uh, but God, if I get in an accident and die right now, would you take care of my wife and kids? And then I realized that's all I have to worry about if I die. Because if I die, I'm, I'm going to something better. Uh, I just have to worry about the people I leave behind. But for all of these people around me, this huge mass of humanity around me, if they die right now, they're going to hell. They need someone to tell them. The task before us is enormous. There are 3.27 billion people who will go their entire lives without hearing the gospel if nothing changes. Christianity has come a long ways. We've come a long ways in fulfilling the Great Commission, but the task before us is huge. How are we ever going to do it? How are we ever going to accomplish it? Well, I don't have all the answers. I don't know the future, but I do know this. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Habakkuk 2.14. In Isaiah 6, we saw the seraphim saying that the earth is full of God's glory. We have a greater promise here in Habakkuk 2.14. It says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. The earth is already full of God's glory, but not everyone knows it. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. How much of the sea is covered in water? 100%. Every square inch is covered in water. And every square inch of the earth is going to be covered in the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Revelation 7, 9 also gives us a picture of the great commission fulfilled. It says, after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. Un." 
countable from every nation, every people group, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. People from Ukraine, Zimbabwe, South Asia, the Middle East, Cambodia, Namibia, Ukraine, Russia. This is going to happen. It's going to happen. The question is, what role will we play in it? I don't know exactly how Jesus is going to fulfill all of this, but I do know one way is going to be through spiritual generations of disciple makers. God is going to work and fulfill his mission through spiritual generations of disciple makers. So here's the thing about the Great Commission. You remember how Jesus said that we're, as we make disciples, we need to teach them to obey all of his commands? You know what command that includes? The Great Commission itself. We're not done making disciples until we've taught them to be disciple makers. And we see generations of disciple makers in a navigator favorite, 2 Timothy 2.2. Paul, again, we've been reading a lot of Paul. Paul is talking to his disciple, Timothy. And he says, so I'll back up to verse one. He says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust a faithful man who will be able to teach others also. So here we see Paul did a, had a big teaching evangelism ministry. And he, along the way, brought Timothy and Titus and Silvanus and all these others with him and trained them as he goes. And he told, he's telling Timothy here, everything I taught you wasn't just for you. I want you to pass it on to others. And you know what? I don't want it to stop with them. I want you to find faithful men and train them to do what I've done with you. So we see four spiritual generations. There's Paul discipling Timothy, Timothy discipling faithful men, and faithful men discipling others. This is what we call spiritual multiplication or spiritual generations. And I want to I want to do a, a I want to get interactive here to show how we can reach the world through spiritual multiplication. So I need two volunteers. Can I have two volunteers? One, two. All right. We are going to do a Great Commission experiment. All right, I have a mission for you guys. What are your names? I'm Justin. Justin, Eric. All right, welcome Justin and Eric. Eric, you can kind of stand to the side here. Uh, We are going to try to fulfill the Great Commission. And here we're going to illustrate that with post-it notes. All right, we're going to say, Eric, you are spiritual addition. All right, you are a disciple maker. Okay? And you're one of the best to ever live. You're going to be great at this. Justin, you are going to do spiritual multiplication, okay? You're going to be a maker of disciple makers, all right? And that's how we're going to reach the world. So your mission, Eric, is I want everyone in this room to have a post-it note on them. I want you to go up to them, stick a post-it note on them, and move on to the next person, okay? This is an illustration of them becoming a disciple of Jesus, all right? I want everyone here to hear the gospel and become a disciple of Jesus. Can you do that? Sure. I know you can. Don't start yet. All right, so you're going to do that. Justin, you have the same mission, okay? I want post notes on every person. And here's the thing. If you have one post-it note, you've been reached. You don't need another post-it note. So if someone's got pink, don't give them yellow. But he, you have an extra step. When you put a post-it note on someone, I want you to divide your stack in half okay. and give them half your post-it notes. And then I want, if you get a yellow post-it note, you are now brought into the Great Commission. And you are also a disciple maker who's going to be putting post-it notes on people. Does that make sense? You are all a part of this. In fact, you should stand up. Everyone stand up. This is going to be a lot easier this way. I have no idea how this is going to go with this group. It's going to be great. Uh, Okay, so if you get a yellow post-it note, you are now also a disciple maker. And when you give someone a post-it note, you give them half of your stack. So we're going to keep dividing up this stack, okay? 
Does everyone understand what we're doing? Does this make sense? Okay, Eric, are you ready? Uh, I guess. You got this. The Lord is with you. The Holy Spirit has empowered you to be his witness. Are you ready? Yes. Amen. Justin, are you ready? Yes. Let's do it. Three, two, one, go. All right, we're going. Pink is spreading. You got it, Eric. Make disciples. Hey, if you don't have a post note, raise your hand. This is your row, brother. Get them. Ah. Anyone else? Anyone else need a post note? Raise your hand if you haven't been reached. Oh, you just at all? Any post note? You just need one. Oh, you just got me. Does everyone have a post it? All right, y'all can sit down. Okay, if you have a pink post-it note, raise your hand. All right. Hey, dude, that's awesome. Eric, I think you got more people with a post-it note than any other individual did in this room. God has used you mightily. Praise the Lord for your ministry today, Eric. Thank you. That is awesome. If you got a yellow post-it note, raise your hand. Okay. That's quite a bit more. What do you guys observe? What do you notice about that? Multiplication adds up. I like it. I wasn't a math major, but it sounds good to me. Teamwork is king. Well, for my spreading of the post notes, I started right where I was at. I hit everybody that was close, to me, and then they just the yeah. way I qualified. Yeah. So just by starting right where you're at. You don't have to travel away and go somewhere else. Yeah. Just start right where you're at. You can get it to spread. That's good. It spreads far beyond you. Yes, just takes a spark right where you are. Yeah, it went so quick. Like, this did not take very long. Teaching others how to pass post notes really helped and spread a lot faster than just one guy doing it to each person. Yeah, I mean, if it's just one person, if, if, if it's up to just the people here in this room to reach the world for Jesus, we're never going to do it. They're going to die before we get to them. But if we can bring others into it and advancing the gospel and making disciples and they can bring others into it, we can go much farther, much faster. I mean, man, and that's more people than ever followed Jesus in his lifetime than ever believed in him. Like that's one big day, 3,000, but it spreads so much beyond there through just ordinary everyday men and women. You do not need to be a pastor to make disciples. You don't need to be a seminary graduate. You don't need to be particularly gifted. You don't need to have the gift of evangelism or the gift of teaching to make disciples. We need those gifted people helping us. But God wants to use ordinary everyday people like you and me to take what's been done with us and pass it on to the next generation. One thing I noticed is that as a bunch of people started having yellow over here, some people started coming around to the other side and spreading it to the next place and going where, recognizing there's a lot of Christians around me. I need to go find the non-Christians and go bring the gospel to them. That's what we do today. People look around and say, man, there's a lot of churches here. We should go somewhere else and start a church. We should go to one of these unreached people groups and bring the gospel. That's how the gospel is spread. Like we just got like a, a microcosm of the great commission in the room. Multiplication starts out slower. Typically there's an extra step. You get a post note on them, but then you got to take the step to divide it up. You make a disciple, but you got to train them. You got to walk alongside them. It takes an extra step and it takes more time, but the potential is so powerful. And I think multiplication is how we're going to reach the world. Man, you might never go to another country, but there are going to be people in another country who know Jesus because of how God has worked through your life. 
I mean, I'm only 32 and I've already seen God start to do that. Here's a picture real quick. So I was discipled by a guy named Ben. He was discipled by a guy named Aaron. And I actually know, I, I, I shared this illustration at a conference I spoke at in January. And afterwards, someone came up to me uh, who I vaguely remembered being at my campus when I was in college. He says, did you know that I discipled Aaron? I'm like, no way. They're my spiritual great grandpa. Uh, so Aaron discipled Ben. Ben discipled me. And there were a few guys that I had the privilege of walking alongside at Wichita State. Jordan is now in Scotland. Kevin is now in the Middle East. And, and Michael was in Eurasia, but because of recent world events, he's had to come home. Uh, I've never been to Scotland. I've never been to the Middle East. I've never been to Eurasia, but there are people who are getting to hear the gospel today because of how God has just worked through little old ordinary me at Wichita, Kansas. Ben has never gone to these places. Aaron has never gone to these places, but because they were faithful to just invest in the people right where they are, and disciple the people right where they are. There are people on the other side of the world who know Jesus. We're hearing the gospel because of how God has worked. You know, someone led Dawson Crotman to Christ. Someone led Billy Graham to Christ. We don't know their, well, some people know their names. I don't know their names. You don't have to be a big evangelist to have an impact for Jesus. You just need to make disciples right where he's putting you. And God can work through that and have a huge influence. Everyone has to do it because it's just pastors. That's a small number. Yeah, absolutely. They have to be everybody. Absolutely. Amen. You know, I, I, as I think of multiplication, a verse I think of is, is John 12, 24 and 25. John 12, 24 and 25. I don't have a slide for this, but Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You can think of your life as a, a grain of wheat. We live in Kansas. That's pretty easy to do. You think of your life as a grain of wheat. You can either spend your life or you can invest it. The guy who was going to speak here this weekend, Mike Trenier, uh, shared an illustration that's impacted me forever. Uh, he, ha- he likes to ask the question, how many seeds are in an apple? Does anyone know how many seeds are in an apple on average? Four, six, I think five on average. You guys are both about right. Uh, some four, some six, some five, about five seeds. But, but here's a far more interesting question. How many apples are in a seed? And the answer is it depends on what happens to the seed. Most seeds are thrown away. When I eat an apple, I leave the core in the seeds and I put them in the trash can and they get put in a landfill, stuck in a plastic bag forever. But if a seed is planted in good soil and it's watered and it gets good sunlight, it grows up into a whole apple tree that every year there's dozens and dozens of apples, each of which has six seeds that if they get planted and watered in the right place, in the right soil, they grow and become another apple tree that bears all of these dozens of apples every year, each of which has six seeds. And so in one apple seed, you can have billions of apples. But it depends on what happens to the seed. You can take the seed of your life and you can spend it living for yourself or you can invest it. Don't just pick apples. Don't just make disciples. Plant apple trees. Train people to, to be disciple makers. And it's not easy. It's not, well, it's not, it's simple, but it's not easy. Making disciple makers is very simple, but it's costly. Someone once told Dawson Trotman, and Dawson, I would give my right arm to do what you do. And he says, oh, it won't cost you your arm. It'll cost your life. It'll cost your life unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies. It remains alone. But if it dies, 
If he lives for Christ and not for himself, it's compelled by the love of Christ. It bears much fruit. Are you willing to pay the cost to see Christ multiplied through your lives? Is he worth it to you? Is Jesus worth it to you? Well, what a convicting question. He who gave his all for us, who loves us with an everlasting love, he is infinitely worth it, isn't he? Are you living for today, for what you enjoy today but will be gone tomorrow? Or are you investing in that which will last for eternity? Thank you so much for joining us for these seven podcasts with Mr. John Anderson. I want to remind you that you can watch John's entire messages on our website at kansasnavs.org forward slash media. That's kansasnavs.org forward slash media. You can also watch other speakers that we've had in the past. Well, join us next time as we hear from Mr. Larry Beck about the tremendous importance of getting God's Word into our hearts, right here on Making Disciples Naturally. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the Navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.